You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Why do people just no-call, no-show in this day and age? I mean, come on. This week, we're happy to see Thoroughbreds getting some well-deserved recognition. And is there anything to learn from mean comments from a judge? Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy, to happy hour. hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 111 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey guys. What's up? What's up? Not much. Are you home, Jess, or are you off on the road somewhere still? I'm at Tryon for two weeks, so it's quite nice. That is nice. Right. What about you, Ellie? Yeah, I'm home because I never leave. So. You love the homebody part of you. Oh, I do because then I don't have to wear a bra because I work from home. So <laughs> there are in the dream. <laughs> How about you, Justine? I'm home. I'm home for now. We'll take it. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by clipmyhorse.tv. All right, Ellie. So I hear you got a drink for us. I do have a drink. And for some reason, Jess isn't going to like it because it's root beer. But <laughs> I'll share it with anyway. <laughs> so it's a root beer Ricky. Uh, so for one drink, you're going to need ice, two ounces of rye whiskey, one ounce fresh lime juice from one lime. Or you can just do what I do and buy the lime juice from the store. <laughs> Four ounces root beer and then a lime wedge optional, obviously, for serving. So you're going to take into your ice field like Collins glass, pour the whiskey and the lime juice, and then top with root beer, and then give that a quick stir with a bar spoon or just a knife, which we usually do. And then, or chopstick actually recommended in this uh, recipe. So that was cool. And then you can top with your lime wedge if you're going to use, but there's a tip. So the flavor of the drink is largely dependent on the quality of root beer. So it's worth seeking out like a good quality root beer, something sweetened with honey, molasses, or cane sugar, as opposed to those like high fructose corn syrups. Virgil's and Jones sodas are great choices. And yeah, that would be my recommendation. All right. I don't know. This sounds good to me. Why don't you like root beer, Jess? I just never have liked root beer. Like even as a kid, everybody did like root beer floats and everything. I don't like the taste of it. It's kind of weird. For sure. Interesting. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So everything else, like I'll do the rye whiskey and stuff and I'll do ginger beer instead of root beer and make it a mule. That sounds good. Yeah. I guess you could do that. Yeah. 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 Well, Jess, what do you got for news? You want to kick us off? I do. So uh, there's this whole process of how each different countries can qualify for the Olympics. So 16 teams can get qualified. And just this past week, Poland secured their place for the Paris 2024 Olympics for eventing. They were um, competing against the Czech Republic and Hungary. And there's all these different groups. Like, so the Pan Americans is a qualifier. The Europeans are a qualifier. The World Games are a qualifier. And so you actually get 16 different countries that will go and compete And so nine of the spots have actually been with Poland going. This is the ninth spot. So you've got Germany and then U.S., New Zealand, Great Britain, Ireland, Sweden, and Switzerland have all claimed spots, whether because they were world championships like at other places or because, you know, they won the Olympics, like each place has gotten it. And then the host country actually like Tokyo had a spot for the last Olympics and stuff like they uh, host country always gets it, but either way you have to qualify. There's different groups. Uh, they've the next one coming up is at mill street for groups F and G, which is Africa, middle East, Southeast Asia, and Oceania will all go and compete for it. They actually get two more spots for the two highest place people that are teams that have not quite yet qualified so um it will be interesting because then the europeans will get it as well and the pan-americans and chile so they'll all get it to wrap it up but the good news is that if for some reason a team misses out and they don't get it 
there are 16 team spots with 48 athletes that will compete for Paris. It, at Paris, there are also 17 also individual quota places that will be allocated across multiple Olympic groups. So you get all the different ways. But thankfully, the U.S. is already qualified, but we're now just waiting to see who the U.S. will be contingent against. So final places will be determined this year. So who will be qualified for 2024? Wow, that's so exciting that we already get to be like we're thinking about the Olympics. It it feels so far away, but so close at the same time, right? That was the nice thing about having it pushed back with COVID. Like now, it's like a less of a long period. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah, right. Instead of four years, Olympics for us. Yeah, exactly. So you feel like it was just there, and you're like, oh wait, no, it we didn't skip a year this time. So yeah, it's quite quickly approaching, and um, a lot of countries are still trying to figure out how they're going to get, you know qualified and everything else so uh stay tuned because there's still some big horse shows to get you know happening and get them qualified yeah what about you ellie what do you got for news so i have a justine inspired sciencey one this week Ooh. Um, yeah so it's actually about the you know health associated problems with commercial shipping like trucking your horse so this doctor down in Australia, Dr. Barbara Petalino, kind of looked into what is actually coming out of the trucking. Now, let me get more in detail into it. So the, I guess the previous like equine travel risk um, information and research has come from horses like heading to slaughter, which is horrible to think about. But the researchers were saying that, you know, it's not quite applicable because horses transported to slaughter, they're not usually in single stalls. It's usually a lot higher density. And a lot of those horses don't have a lot of travel experience. And it's probably a very stressful situation. So I, I can't imagine that that is a good trucking situation by any means. So uh, Dr. Patalino looked into uh, this transportation company that you know is well-respected, well-run, and provided uh, follows the guidelines provided by the Australian Livestock Code for transportation. And she looked at this like long stretch that goes from the east coast to the west coast of Australia, and they looked at about sixteen hundred and fifty horses that transported that same route from around April of twenty thirteen to April twenty fifteen. So they kind of broke it into shifts. So they traveled 10 hours, eight and a half hours, 24 hours, and then six hours. And after each of those stages, the horses were given like a 12 hour rest period. So the total like duration of the trip took 85 hours, you know, 49 of those actually on the trailer and then 36 for rest stops. And the horses, when they weren't on the trailer, were given, you know, individually housed like rubber walkout like runouts for stalls or paddocks that were specifically only used for horses in transit. And what they found were that 97.2% of the horses that arrived at their destinations had no signs of disease or injury. And the ones that did have problems, the most common were respiratory illnesses. That was 27% of that. And I should say of that remaining, you know, 2.8%. Most of that was respiratory illness, gastrointestinal illness, fever, injuries. And there were four of those 1,650 horses that did die, um, transportation-related deaths, which makes the overall death rate 0.24%. And the, the doctor made a point of noting that, you know, the horses are more likely to hurt themselves in, like, the early hours of the trip. So, like, behaviors like you know, if horse is difficult to load, you know, kicking the trailer, things like that. And then she also noted that it's been reported that the first hour of a journey is usually the most stressful for horses because that's when horses tend to try to move more, trying to try to escape more and then lose their balance more because they're still kind of getting into it. The researchers found that the horses transported in spring were more likely to develop those um, gastrointestinal and respiratory illnesses. And the doctor hypothesized that that was from higher temperatures, you know, horses still having winter coats. And then a lot of the challenges that come with just immune systems by hormonal fluctuations and also just like pollen and allergens with spring. So it was really interesting. And the doctor did say like, you know, the percentage is actually really good considering like the, you know, the amount of horses they looked at. And this is one of the longest journeys a horse can do 
worldwide and it's a very hot country. So, you know, definitely still for sure scary and sad that, you know, that 2.8% of horses did have an issue. Um, but she was talking about how that really is a pretty good rate. And she, she recommends for trips more than 20 hours using a reputable shipping company, inspecting the transport vehicle and having a full veterinary exam performed ahead of time to identify any illnesses um, that might come from the stress of the transportation. Interesting. Wow. I mean, that was very detailed. Yeah. Sorry. I wanted to kind of really go into it because I think it's something for me, it's something that kind of always freaks me out about like, you know, Sure. My horse on a trailer yeah. with other horses that come from a different barn. So Jess, like, what do you have to do for, I know planes, like you've traveled internationally before. Yeah. I mean, I feel like any kind of travel is like stress on them, but yeah, when they go overseas, the paperwork, you know, what we do for them, like it's, it's a process to probably be an understatement, you know, but they travel well, but same thing. Like we make sure you know, the paperwork's extensive. It's got the carnet, got all that. But then on top of it, they've got, you know, we give them fluids to help because, you know, they could get dehydrated. And then also, you know, they can't really have meals while they're traveling. Um, and a lot of times they're stuck like in holds and everything else, but they're allowed, uh, the grooms and everything are amazing on the planes and we can give them treats or whatever else. So we'll pack them their favorite treats, but then also, uh, we pack outlast, which helps, so that can be given from Purina as uh, a treat, but it also helps with all of the stress and ulcers and everything else. And so uh, I think it's just, you know, those horses that are going overseas and stuff, they're quite used to traveling and not that it makes it easier. They just kind of have dealt with it a little bit more. And mm -hmm. so I feel like, you know, anytime you go across straight lines, it's, you know, enough of a hike, I guess, unless you're in Texas it's a hike to go anywhere probably then, but like most of the time you're going in the car ride, that's a lot on them anyways. Yeah, for sure. And I thought it was something good to bring up because I think a lot of people, especially when you're first getting into horses, right. And you don't think about, you know, all the things that horses can catch just from being in a trailer with somebody who hasn't gotten vaccinations. Um, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff is scary because a lot of people do say, Oh yeah, I've got a truck and this can haul horses and like, I'll just do this. And I'm like, Okay, but like, have you cleaned your trailer? Like, have you disinfected it? Like, so I thought it would be something fun to bring up. What have you got, Justine? So I have a cool one too this week. So picture this when you're watching like an FEI level event, it doesn't really matter what discipline. You often hear the announcer when a horse enters the ring, uh, they, they give you kind of like a primer, right? They're telling you about the horse, what their breeding is, where they're from, yada, yada. Well, that's actually an agreement that the FEI has created with the World Breeding Federation for Sport Horses. And they've been doing that since 2015, which is pretty cool, right? Like if you're watching the live stream, sometimes you see it on the ticker when, you know, a rider and horse comes in. But most of the time it's the announcer telling you about the horse's breeding. Now, you know, the World Breeding Federation for Sport Horses is mostly focused on horses that are bred for the Olympic disciplines. And in order for uh, a horse to be credited, uh, generally they have to come from horses that are, that come through like 85 different stud book members in 35 countries. So you might not have noticed, but that means thoroughbreds weren't included in this. Well, that just changed. So beginning earlier this month, the European and Mediterranean Horse Racing Federations uh, issued a press release announcing that they've come to an agreement with the FEI that they're going to include thoroughbreds in their breedings now at all international events. So even at the Olympics, now if a thoroughbred comes down center line in dressage, you will hear about their breeding, even though um, they're technically not part of the World Breeding Federation for Sport Horses stud books. As a thoroughbred owner, I think this is great. A lot of people buy thoroughbreds as sport horses based on their lineage. You know, like their where they came from and what their lines are are very important to a lot of people and how they select a thoroughbred for any individual type of job after the track. So I think that's really cool. And I think a lot of thoroughbred nerds will really appreciate that. And it oh, just that's super exciting. Yeah, it feels like a lo long overdue, right? You know. Yeah, absolutely. Thoroughbreds have been involved in, you know, sport 
performance for a long time now. Um, so I'm really excited to see this happen. And we'll link in the show notes so you guys can get more information if you want to learn more about it. But it was good, exciting news. If you enjoy news like this, you should subscribe to the Heels Down Spark. Our news segment is brought to you by the Spark, which is the only daily equestrian newsletter. It's free. You can subscribe by going to bit.ly slash spark by HD. And shout out to everybody who helps create this podcast and donates to us on Patreon. We really appreciate you guys helping to make this podcast possible. And we've got a lot of exclusive content for you guys there. Mini episodes where we talk a little more in depth about stuff, as well as videos from places like Doug's subscription. And it's just a great place to be. And we really appreciate it. If you're interested, uh, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash heels down. And that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. All right, Jess, I want to talk to you about ClipMyHorse.tv. Obviously, we've all probably used them by now. They are, in my opinion, probably the best live stream option for equestrian sports. And just this last year, they partnered with the USCF to broadcast the Kentucky three-day event. I am a relatively newbie subscriber. I subscribed just so I could see um, Kentucky this year, but now... Now I'm hooked. I'm hooked. Forever. Oh, no, I'm not even one. Like, I know my husband like loves gadgets and apps and all this. Like, I'm not like I'm very simple. I hate subscribing to things, to be honest, like I really do. <laughs> and he thought I was crazy, though. He was like, you subscribe to Clip My Horse. I'm like, I love Clip My Horse. Like, I'm like, it's amazing. There is an app for my TV. There is an app for my phone. If I want to watch, like I had uh, one of my horses competing down at the World Equestrian Center that I was not at, like Doug and I weren't, it was uh, a, like a leased out horse. I could literally search the horse and rider. I didn't have to watch the whole class, but I really didn't want to watch that class. I just wanted to see how the horse went. And they said it went well. And they're like, well, we can't figure out the video. I'm like, isn't it on Clip My Horse? They're like, yeah, I don't know how to work it. I'm like, you click on the show. You can either click on the class and like see the different class. You can watch the big class or you can search the rider or horse's name and it pops right up. It is the easiest thing to find one stalking if you want to stalk, but two, which I say that kind of creepily, but uh, I love it because I can just turn it on. Like you get to a big event and I think I was telling Dustin this we were down in Ocala this past spring and like I had broke my legs. I'm like hobbling around and it was packed for the 250 at the World Equestrian Center. And I, we were exhausted. Doug's like, I just want to go home. We put on Clip My Horse like while Doug was driving because I, I had a broken leg. So I had my Clip My Horse up on my phone. They had amazing commentators. Like it was funnier than honestly being at the horse show, which sounds terrible, but it really was amazing. And Doug's like, if I'd known we could have watched it like this, I'm not sure I would have stayed for half the class. Like this was so (laughs) much fun. So we pulled it up on my computer when we got home and we watched it on my computer, like the jump off and everything. And it was, it's so user-friendly and that's what I have a hard time. Like, I don't want to call out names, but like so many others that like with the eventing or other places that they use these different, you know, live stream places. Like right. I can't even figure out how to watch it. And, and then it's once just I've for subscribed like, and I've paid the nine ninety nine to watch it for the week, I still can't even get on. Right. That's my thing too. It's like with some of those competitors, you subscribe for one show and you're one and done. There's nothing else worthwhile for me where clip my horse TV. I, you know, I was at a horse show the weekend of Kentucky And so I was catching up um, in the evenings after the show had, you know, already gone on. And, you know, I don't need to watch all 40 starters or, you know what I mean? Like I wanted the highlights of who are my favorite riders, who are the, you know, the top 10 riders. And like you said, Jess, it's so easy. They break down the clips of the live stream of like, you just click on the rider's name and go right to their performance. And it's so easy. And they have such a wide range of horse shows i i think it's really quite amazing i mean you can watch it is incredible that and they have like recaps like that's what i Mm -hmm. like like if you're busy and i've been like you know crazy this past weekend and i really wanted to watch a little bit but same thing they'll recap it for you you don't even have to go search your favorite things that's what i love and then the one deadly thing they do have that 
I know is a really good thing, but it's very deadly. Is they also have like auctions on it? Have you they do. Those? They do. Dangerous. Oh, it's yeah. so bad. Like I literally were trying to find an auction and stuff like that. Doug's like, what's it on? And I was like, you know, we had people there and uh, I was like, oh my goodness, it's on Clip My Horse. He's like, stop it. I'm like, well, yeah. just go to the app, watch it right now. So we had it in my living room playing while we're watching it. And like, everyone's going through, they're like, what is happening? I'm like, this huge auction is going on. I'm like, these horses. And then part of it then becomes entertaining because you're like, it just sold for what? Right. <laughs> right. Crazy. So then I watched some of that for fun, but right. it is, I've literally, I didn't know how much clip my horse had to offer until I was subscribing to it. And it is the best month. I do monthly. You can do it yearly or monthly. I think I just clicked monthly because I thought I'd cancel it within two months. Because I really do. If I don't watch it, like I cancel things. Like I'm very good about that. And I think I'm probably two years in of not canceling it. I love it. It's it's really great, both on the app on your phone and your computer. I find it very easy to use. And like you said, Jess, there's so much you can watch. Like even right now, just scrolling along, like my dressage trainer is headed to WEC Ocala this weekend. And there you go. The CDI three star is at the World Equestrian Center is queued up this week for on Clip My Horse TV, so I can watch it. They've got Devin already lined up on here. It's events and horse shows all around the world. And even beyond that, ClipMyHorse.tv is doing um, uh, more sit-down interviews with top riders. They just released the story of Laura Kraut's top mount, um, her show jumper. You can learn all about Laura's relationship with this horse, which I think is wonderful. And I know this month they're also dropping a new episode. They do this series called At Home With, where they you get to get, get like a tour of a barn and the routine of the rider. And this month they're doing one with Chester uh, Weber. Chester Weber. Yeah. It, and they're great if you follow them on Instagram. Then they, I'm like literally, I know I'm like full deep into this. If you follow <laughs> them on Instagram, they'll show you all of this. Right. All the I clips of this. Well, they'll show you previews. And so then you're like, oh, I want to watch that one. Or that one doesn't look that interesting. So I don't even, to be honest, I don't even go on the app or uh, the my computer to really search for things. I follow them on Instagram. And then, yeah, there are certain shows that I know that they'll go like watch. But a lot of it on Instagram, they'll like preview it. And now it just comes up all the time with my stuff. And it's like, clip my horse this. I'm like, oh, right. They're previewing this. And then mm -hmm. it will remind, remind me about the shows or the different series they're doing. It's been, no, I love it. Yeah. I really like it too. I find it to be very affordable for the, uh, the amount of access you get from FEI TV to the USCF network. It's it, there's, there's just they have a the ton nation's there. Cups on there all the time. Like we yeah. watch that all the time. It's so great. Uh, so if you're looking for a, like a quality dependable live stream op option, I'm not sure that there's anything better than clip my horse. So I can tell you, I've probably bought all of them and this is definitely the only one I actually still subscribe to. So something to consider if you're like, you know, cause it, it sucks when it comes down to the weekend of a show that you wanted to see, and then you're scrambling to find something and then you're paying out of pocket for something that you're going to literally use for two hours. And it's not even good live stream. The one horse I wanted to watch online it literally cut the feed. It was so bad. I was so mad. I spent, and it was like only nine or $10, but like, I'm like, I pay that in the full month for clip my horse. Right. And I literally wanted to watch two horses and they're like, oh, we had technical difficulties. I'm like, is this your first horse show live streaming? Cause this is terrible. Yeah. No, Clip My Horse TV is like proven that they're reliable. So oh, they're so reliable. I've never had any technical difficulties. Like they do small rings and it's not just, I do have to say this where we have to go at WEC. They're amazing there. One of the best things is even some of the horse shows that Clip My Horse does. It's not just the Grand Prix ring. It will be jumper one, jumper two, hunters, all of that. Right. You could see your friends, you know, it's cool. Yes. So if you want to check it out, you should go to clipmyhorse.tv and then they have signups there depending on what country you're in, but it's very easy to get started. This episode is supported by clipmyhorse.tv, the live stream provider for equestrian events around the world. During the next weeks, there are a number of major highlights that you can follow live, such as the Longines FBI Nations Cup in the USA. If you haven't watched that already, you can watch it on the archive, and you can watch some of your favorites in an entire event in the Clip My Horse archive as often as you like with a premium membership. 
If you still haven't had enough of great sport, just keep tuning in. In May, you can look forward to the Royal Windsor Horse Show in the UK and the Major League Show Jumping in Vancouver. Or if there's nothing on, you can look at the TV program on the ClipMyHorse.tv website that can give you all kinds of options of different events from different disciplines to watch. If you're looking for something more to satisfy that horsey appetite, you can start your trial month today and enjoy everything ClipMyHorse.tv has to offer for free for the first month. Go to watch.clipmyhorse.tv for more. All right. So I have, I have like some tea I want to share with both of you because I feel like both of you uh, who offer lessons and deal with clients that y'all can talk about this and you've probably experienced it personally. But, um, the other Saturday I was at the barn, you know, Saturday mornings are always busy at the barn. My dressage trainer generally has a pretty busy, at least morning on Saturday, if they're not, if she's not like at a show with clients and she has like a whiteboard in the barn that she, if the ring is going to be used for lessons, you know, you know, who's in the ring at one hour, blah, blah, blah. And she had like at least a half dozen lessons scheduled for the day. But by the time I was tacking up my horse to ride, she came in and like erased all the names off the board, except for one and was just like completely drained like you could just tell she was so annoyed and it was because every other one of those lessons canceled the day of like was that just some, many like at least five like just had dumb reasons and she's smart like she has a like as a boarder i have to take so many lessons a month but she also has a 24-hour cancellation policy so all those people who who bailed on her had to still pay her but it's just that well, you know at least but then it makes was, your day Right, she had planned out. to work twice all day. Out. Well, and she's twice as long. So one, you're either taking the lesson away from somebody else, right. or you uh, are making your poor trainer's day twice as long because she has had them back-to-back lessons. So instead of teaching, call it nine to two, she could have taught nine to 11. Right, exactly. And now it's like, right. And now it's on her to try to squeeze in these quote-unquote makeup lessons, right? Because somebody didn't show up the first time. I just, I feel like, One, that is insane. But two, I feel like I'm hearing about it more and more lately. And I don't know what that means, like culturally, where we are, where we're at, that people feel like that's okay to do. But Jess, do you experience this in your business? I mean, obviously, you guys are quite busy and run a very efficient program with a lot of horses. But how do you handle that in your business? We have a way different model, I guess, is what you say. Like, and so it, what it doesn't really, I mean, yes, I'm sure it happens at times and the kid wakes up, but like we, uh, really have five to seven clients that come maybe every day. And then the rest of them are horses in training. So they're, it's a kind of a different mindset that like the kids that if they're going to skip a lesson, like it's for the worst of them because they need to go to the horse show the next week. So then, so not I many see. of them really cancel, and if they cancel, all we do is just, I mean, so most of them, they're all, so not most of them, everybody in our barns in full training. So we don't have borders. So basically like if they wake up and they're sick and they can't jump that day or they can't ride that day, if they text very early or the night before we put them on our set list, I if see. you text me at 11 o'clock and you woke up and you don't feel good, your horses doesn't get ridden. And like, that's not my problem. That was yours. Yeah. Because, you know, at the same time, like we have to still stay on schedule. So some days you'll get lucky if you text me at nine o'clock and say, hey, look, I just woke up. I don't feel great. Can you put the horse on your list? Maybe that can happen. Maybe not. So it doesn't really affect our time frame of the day. Maybe we have to add another horse or one of the girls has to ride it or one of the other riders has to ride it. That it doesn't really affect to that degree to us. Um they're not really in the habit of like wanting to be no shows because then that the end of the day, it's not for us. It's for them. And the only way they're going to get better is showing up and having lessons and we're not home that often. So they try to take advantage of when we're home. So then they're like, the last thing they're going to do is like skip out, you know, exactly, so they're yeah. like, we got to take it because they're gone tomorrow. You know, <laughs> like they're like, if we don't have a lesson today, we might not have another one for, you know, like if, we left all of the clients are here this week, so it's not really uh, different. But let's say a couple of them were staying home and we're at trying for two weeks. Well, 
we were home for like 20 hours in the last day and a half. And so if they didn't have lessons this morning, they're not having lessons for another two weeks. Right. I see. Okay. So I think it's more of a demand that if they don't have themselves together and are not organized, then that hurts them, not us. Right. What about you, Ellie? I wish that were the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I think it's also like, you know, I, I don't work with a lot of actively showing big shows. Yeah. Riders, you know, I'm working with people who, you know, have horses from kill pens and have horses that, you know, uh, have just been started under saddle. So I, that's kind of, it's tough because I understand like a lot of my riders are like seasonal riders, which like I kind of am too. Like, I'm not going to ride. Fair if weather, yeah. I'm like, I totally get that, you know, like hundred percent. I don't want to stand there and teach you if it's 10 degrees outside, I will not do it. So <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. But, um, yeah, I've had a lot of them actually like this past, just like the past couple of weeks, um, where it's just like, Oh, I, I'll get this text. Like we want to start like our, cause a lot of them will, will start doing like two or three days a week in, you know, March or April. And then it'll continue to like September. And I've gotten so many texts of like, Oh yeah, we want to do like, they'll hammer out. Like we want Saturdays, 10 AM, like every weekend. And I'm like, okay, great. And then I, I'm glad that I reach out on like Friday and I'm like, just making sure like, you know, we're set and ready for tomorrow at 10 AM and I'll tell them like what I want set up, you know, in the arena and stuff like that. And they're like, Oh no, not this weekend. I'm like, okay, I got to maybe do the 24 hour cancellation fee Yeah, because then I get another text where, you know, it's, you know, Tuesday of the next week and, oh yeah, we're ready for like, I've had so many cancellations and like, I understand like if your horse gets lame or something like I'm not, I'm very lucky because I'm in a position where it's not my full-time job. Right. Yeah, exactly. But still it's the time. Yeah, it is tough. Like when I change my entire schedule on a Saturday, which is one of my only days off because it's, you know, I have a full-time job to like actually be able to go out there and teach you guys. And I don't teach on my farm. I always have to travel to them. So like, it's very frustrating when like I've made, I've made all these arrangements. I've made all these changes and you cancel last minute. And you had to cancel it basically. Like you had to reach out to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. Because I just think about my trainer, you know, like, yes, she boards some horses, but her, her income is based off of training is the training. It's her instruction, her lessons, and then taking us to horse shows, you know, and I understand if you're not in a, maybe you're not at keep your horse in that kind of committed program, but I just, and sure, at the end of the day, for me as an adult amateur, like in terms of needs versus wants, like the horse stuff is a want. It's, it, it, it's not a need, right? It's something hundred yeah, percent. My, my extra money goes toward this, but I, I just find it so disrespectful. You know, I just don't know how, how people think that that's okay. <laughs> you know, Cause unless- they just think, Oh, well, we've told you it's fine. Like, and we're going to pay you anyways, but at least she, the good thing is, is I like that 24 hour cancellation. Like when we are teaching a lot, like we probably should have had that more. And so I do like that because then at least your time is paid for. And she, does she do 24 hours? You pay in full. Yeah, definitely. And there, you know, I work a job, you know, my job has changed a little bit, but for two full years during the pandemic, I was working breaking news and had like had very odd hours that I worked. And there were days where I just, I couldn't, I had to cancel because of my job. And I always paid those people, those trainers, you know, like, it's, it's not their responsibility. It's mine, you know? Well, and so. yeah, if your job changes, then, you know, you can't commit to it type thing. Or if, right. you know, I understand I, kids get sick and everything else, but I do like the 24 hour. Cause then at least you're still getting paid and you're still getting like, if you have eight lessons on the book that Saturday and you go to three, that's a lot of money. And so at least now you're still getting the money and then right. at least, right. At least you're getting that income, even if your time is wasted, you know, exactly. And so, you know, your time's still getting paid for, which is, so it's not essentially wasted, which is nice. 
Uh, I was going to bring up an interesting idea that the Chronicle of the Horse, they published this op-ed, I don't know, a week or so ago, written by a, a parent, you know, whose kid does other things besides horse sports, but like compared how they pay for lessons to other sport extracurricular activities where, you know, like their kid, if they're, if they're in a, in gymnastics, generally you pay a deposit when you register and then you pay like a week or a month or even a semester's worth of to you know, quote unquote tuition for those lessons. And you pay that upfront and then it's up to you to make, you know, to make it to those classes once a week or yada, yada. And I remember that as a kid, you know, like when I was yeah. my parents or if you're in a, you're a parent and you that's fairly normal in plenty of other sports or dance or, you know, other extracurricular activities. But they make the case in this piece on the Chronicle website about how could this be like a standardized way for horse programs? And definitely, Some, I think for programs that cater to kids, sure, you know, that have lessons ponies. Yeah, but, maybe. Because most people that I've seen do programs like this then end up giving a discount. So oh, if you buy 10 lessons out front instead of the $100 a lesson, you know, I'll do it for eight fifty. Well, then you're actually cutting your time and your money. And so interesting. I've okay. had conversations with people and they said like, oh, well, I could, you know, then I get the eight fifty up front. And I'm like, yeah, but then you're only getting $85 a lesson instead of the $100 a lesson. And you're just using very easy numbers. And that way, if you're giving a discount, then you're discounting your time. And so even if there's still a no-show, like I just do it a flat rate. And then if they don't come, like you still get the hundred bucks. I, I think- the best solution I've heard during this conversation was the 24-hour rule. Cancellation, yeah. whatever. Right. That's something my trainer, well, that I used to ride with back when I was in Connecticut, she started doing the past couple of years has been like buy in bulk kind of thing. Like you buy yeah. like five lessons or you buy 10 lessons and you pay for all of those. And then it's kind of on you to schedule them. You but know? do you have to, do you get a discount with those? No. It's oh, just like, at least. it's okay. just like, you know, she doesn't basically allow you to she doesn't do all the cart okay exactly. it's like you pay for 10 you know then you know if you want one this week then you tell me we'll find out a place to you know fit it in because when that when she was still at the the barn that i got my horse <laughs> from when that barn closed down that my sister and my mom were still at you know so she was there full time but now she's jumping around all over because everybody that was at that barn kind of split up. Right. So yeah. she doesn't have like, she used to work, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Right. And had a strict, like these were lesson times and she doesn't have that anymore since she's all over the place. So that's something that she's done. And like, I remember my mom saying like, Oh yeah, I've, I've still got a lesson. I've got to like, you know, schedule that. And it's like, I kind of like that. It's like, it's on you to schedule, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, those are decent options. I just think, in general, people need to be better and be more mindful of anybody's time, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've had trainers, like, to flip this on its head, I've had trainers who would cancel on me, where I'd, like, show up, I'd move my schedule around, get, you know, and then it's, like, I'm tacking up and I'm, like, headed to their farm or whatever, and they cancel, like, within an hour before the lesson. And that's really frustrating, too. Yeah. But you got to give people some grace, right? But once it becomes like a habit, I, then it's too much. Yeah. Then it's just, it's just general respect, right? hundred percent. So, just something to think about. I don't know if there's a one answer that, you know, works for everybody, but probably ugh. not. Unfortunately, I know, but I don't like it. No, I don't. I don't either. <laughs> My wallet doesn't like it either. Right. All right. So shifting gears a little bit. I have another question for both y'all and I have some thoughts about this one too. So a friend of mine and I recently took our young greenies to a local dressage show. It was very educational and it was great. But a friend of mine, like looking at, we picked up our test before we headed home and she had, you know, she got great ribbons. She had a good ride. The horse is young and green. You know, we're not, we're not expecting to like knock it out of the park at this point, point in like the stage of where we are with these two different horses that I, we show together a lot, but there were a couple of comments from the, from the judge on the score sheet that were like a little, a little much where you're like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like they were just maybe overly critical for a schooling show, but it, it got me thinking. Cause you know, my friend's initial takeaway was like, 
okay, whoa, like this is uncalled for. Like this is a schooling show. But I was trying to think of like on my drive home after the horse show, I was trying to think of it like, is, what can you learn from criticism like that from a judge? You know, because what they're seeing is literally just what's happening in front of them. They don't know what you've been doing the last weeks or months with your horse and that maybe that canter depart was much better than the canter depart was two weeks ago or 30 days ago, right? They can only judge what they're seeing based of what else they've seen that day in the ring, right? So I don't know, just as someone who's ridden a variety of levels, upper levels, lower levels, young horses, seasoned horses, like what do you want to take away from a dressage score or, you know, maybe like just a, a judging in general, it doesn't have to even be dressage and how have those comments helped you in a particular way? Well, I think one, you should always, my mother-in-law will say, you have to pick up your dressage like score sheet so you can find out how to improve because mm-hmm. what you're feeling and what they're looking for, like might not match up and that will verify one way or the other. Like if you thought you were, you know, stretchy circle was pretty good and then it was stretching long enough. And if they said not enough stretch, well, maybe go back and look at the video. And what I really like to look at what they say is then those certain judges, you're starting to look for what they're like looking for. So maybe it's not exactly what you're thinking it is, but certain judges look, you know, they want them a little bit more supple or they want them a little bit more extra movement or this. So then you can kind of see what exactly are they looking for and particular judges, like, especially with like more seasoned horses, you can say, Hey, look, I need to go for it. I wasn't going for it enough. Or I might need to just be a little bit softer and rounder because that's really what they like. They don't want that. So everybody kind of is looking a little bit different. So those are just the tweaks of how you're going to get like a little bit extra points, Mm -hmm. but more so for like the younger ones or, you know, just like the basic novice training where they're like looking for a good frame, like maybe what you're feeling. I like to also like sit down, look at it with your, we always video our test as well, video it and then look at like, Oh wow, that's not what I felt. And so you can see it and read it and then process it. And so it's like really in your brain, like, oh, wait, when I asked for that, he didn't just slightly get braced. He threw his whole head up and like, you know, it just doesn't feel as bad or vice versa. You felt it looked terrible and you read the remarks and you're like, oh, it actually, and you watch the video and you're like, it wasn't as bad as I felt. And so I think it can happen to both sides of it where you say, hey, look, it is more this than what you're thinking. So sometimes that's like you're being over dramatic, or sometimes it was actually worse than what you thought. So I like to look at one, the video with the remarks to kind of help me improve on what I'm missing in my feel. Sure. That makes a lot of sense to me. What about you, Ellie? I mean, it doesn't obviously it doesn't have to be a dressage, but any sort of scorecard that you would get for the disciplines you ride. Yeah, well, I think Jess makes a really good point with the video because I think, I mean, that's one of the greatest things about smartphones, I think, is that you can actually like easily record yourself at a horse show. Anybody can video you. Exactly. Have that, you know, to look back on, especially, you know, even if you're just feeling something even without a remark. But like, it's like for me, I think like even growing up when I did like IEA and stuff, there were a couple shows that I went to that judges would actually post just from like the jumping rounds would post their comments and just like, you know, you know, what jumps were short, what jumps were long. I mean, obviously they, I don't know if you guys, our listeners have heard or seen the the craziness that is a judge's scorecard for over fences. <laughs> it's, it's pretty hard to <laughs> decipher. It's definitely not as clean as dressage, but like, you know, these judges that were judging in IEA made it a point to kind of take notes on the side and leave those so that these, you know, we, I mean, we were kids. And riding horses, we didn't know. So, like, we were able to actually grow from that. And, like, comments about our equitation overall and, like, stuff like that. So, I really like when stuff like that happens. And, like, I've judged a couple uh, local shows. And I really like, you know, just having communications, like, you know, at schooling shows and stuff. And just, like, saying, like, oh, you know, this this was really great. Or if I see somebody struggling or something, you know, and if they, or if they seem upset about their placing or something, like, just talking to them about, like, you know, what what I saw that they might've felt differently. But I think overall, like the divisions that I've showed more recently, like obviously reigning is a lot like dressage in terms of each maneuver is going to get scored Uh, way different scoring system, but same premise. 
and they don't they don't add comments. It's just like basically like a thumbs up or a thumbs down kind of thing. But those are really helpful. And those are helpful for reigning because and um, other Western disciplines, because when they post pattern scores, they post the entire class. So I really like those, too, because it's really interesting for me to say, like, oh, you know what? Like, I saw that white horse go and that was her number. You know, like, I'll make a note of that myself. And then when I see the the score come up, like if I thought someone did a really good pattern, I can go look at that and say, oh, the judge didn't like this maneuver or that. So I really like that about just the Western disciplines in general. And I wish that was more of a common thing for just all of a hunter jumper. You know, I think that, you know, like what the judge did for us in IEA, I think that that's such it's so helpful because, I mean, I think ultimately when you go to these kind of things, right, you are paying for an opinion, you know, right, so I think right. being able to get some comments and being able to see, you know, what the opinion is overall of your writing. I think that that, you know, that's great because then you're not so much comparing yourself to like, why did that person win? And I got, you know, fifth, like what, what do they have that I don't like, you know, I think it takes away a lot of that, you know, guessing. And I think it's really right. helpful. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm somebody who like, I've kept every dressage test I've ever written, you know, and then, um, but I'm, uh, that's probably like the type A psycho in me because <laughs> at, at the end of the season, I look at all of the tests and go like, where did we like, are there trends here? Like where did are I saying the exact same thing that I right. haven't improved on? Exactly. Like, am I, is there something I'm missing here before next season that I should like, all right, I really need to work on that stretch circle because I keep getting sixes on them when I know I'm capable of more. Right. You know, yeah. um, but you don't have to be a type A psycho to do that. You know, like that's, you get to take that score sheet home and don't look at it and, and feel, feel like someone's robbing you of your confidence. I mean, it is technically what we're paying them to do is to judge us. Right. So yeah, 100%. use it to your advantage. I, I think there's a lot, a lot to be said that, and a lot to learn from that. Yeah. And I think the harsh comments are, are difficult, you know, cause you're like, I think they, you know, it does kind of hurt your feelings, but I think, I don't think kind of hurt your feelings, actually hurt your feelings. Um, and I think that some judges are more blunt than others. Like they don't have that sugar coating that, um, right, right. I, right. I think like, you know, I mean, it'd be different if you were, I mean, if I, if I, if you were judging like a whole bunch of FEI riders, right. Versus like a, a schooling show with kids. Like, I think there's a, there's a, there's a different way to handle that, <laughs> you know, sure, sure. Uh, you know, you, you would expect a lot more, but I think it's so important, especially in, you know, not just young riders, but, but green riders with green horses. Like, it's so important to like, be able to be helping them improve and being positive about it because, you know, they're the future of our sport, you know, the people, even if you're, you know. 40 and you just started riding like you have become a part of the sport you're part of the future of the sport and i think it's so important for them not to be discouraged and they shouldn't look at judges like you know evil people stuck in a box you know it should be right it should be something that they want to improve they don't want to just say i'm never showing again you know yeah mm -hmm. yeah good points all right guys it's time for rose and thorn who wants to go first i can go first yes so my rose is that this past weekend, uh, a client of ours, uh, actually Goody, you know, that stallion that I love, uh, is the hooks for sight. His owner, the wife, her husband went into space and he's at, he's actually what? right now. Oh yeah. He's at the ISS at the international space station right now. He's there for 10 days. So on top of this craziness, she's like, do you want to come to the launch party in Cape Canaveral? So Doug and I, how this all works out, I have no idea. So <laughs> she like, it's moved dates like 10 times. Like it's been pushed up, pushed back, whatever. So then she's like, we're on for, you know, the weekend of the 20th. And we're like, wow, we don't have a horse show that weekend. Like, this is amazing. So... <laughs> Our girls are like, this is like a once in a lifetime thing. So Sam, one of our girls, like all of our girls kind of pitched and watched them one night, our kids. And the nanny watched our kids the other night. 
And so the whole team pitched together because they're like, you guys have got to go to this. So we went down to Cape Canaveral and we got bussed in to like the closest place to watch at the Kennedy Center on the lawn. And this big VIP thing that was like catered everything with TVs all over the place, meeting some of the coolest people I've ever met in my life. And we got to watch John. There was the commander and then John was the pilot and then two other astronauts go up into space on Axiom's AX2 private like launch. And we, there was a party afterwards. Like the whole thing is still so surreal. It was incredible. That sounds amazing. As someone who's from Florida, grew up going to shuttle launches, like I just, I am so fascinated by it. So that's so cool that you had that amazing experience. Yeah. Cause I mean, we've seen them from afar and stuff like that, but like just to be up, I mean, not up close, but pretty close. I think like a mile and a half away, you, what, like, it was so exciting. Like you got to see him, like when he's taking off and they have, you know, the video feed of him in it. And just to know somebody like, it was so surreal to be surrounded by everybody and that he's worked so many years to go and do this and finally got to go into space. And now he's doing a bunch of research and he's there for 10 days before he comes back was, it was incredible. And then they don't do anything without like a huge party and out of this world. And it was craziness. So my thorn is that I did not take it lightly on my leg and now my leg hurts a little bit but it'll be fine it'll be fine and the end was totally worth it so my thorn is that uh yeah i um it was not ideal for my leg but it's it's 12 13 weeks in i'm fine but it's definitely a little sore to be honest and it was maybe not the smartest thing but it's fine so oh i'm sorry oh it's it's not that bad but my thorn, like, I'm not sure, you know, anything like that, but I'm like, oh, I'm definitely feeling the pain in my leg a little bit. Just but more it was worth for it over Oh, I do it four <laughs> times over. I know everybody's going to hate me for that, but I would do it four times over because it was truly a once in a life um, experience. <laughs> what about you, Justine? Good question. Okay. My rose is that Alex and I are headed on a trip here soon. Um, Where are you going? We've got a month to go. It's a big trip. So last, I think you guys remember last summer we did a, like a Northern Europe trip um, tied around a conference that Alex had in Oslo. Well, this year that same conference is in Seoul. So we're, yeah, so we're headed to Asia. We're going to do a week with my brother-in-law. Alex's brother lives in Hong Kong with his family, so we're going to see them for a week. So cool. And then we're going to Japan, and then we'll go to Seoul, South Korea for the conference. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That's a, And how long do you get to go out there for? Like two and a half weeks-ish. That's Alex perfect. is staying a little longer than me for the conference. But I will tell you, I am my, my thorn is the anxiety of leaving all the animals. But I'm not normally this anxious about this kind of stuff. But like with Mikey and, and the other one is on like a self-care board situation. And this is the first time I've really done that in my life. That it's like it's taken a lot more organizing to to prep for it. And that just feels like a long time where like the thoroughbred can lose all the weight I've put on him in, in two and a half weeks, you know, at least but, it's middle of summer. So that's good. Right. Exactly. It's going to be hot. It's not like I want to ride anyway. Uh, yeah. this time of year and they can, you know, the, the young one, Wyatt has earned a break. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's been going, going, going. So he like, he's fine to just go live out in the field for a couple of weeks and Mikey will be fine. They will micromanage him at the dressage barn. So it's all good. <laughs> so, <laughs> And at that point, you know, like we're fingers crossed, like we're trotting sound right now that at that point, I feel like we'll he like the vet will be happy for him to have a little bit of break too. you know, like that we're going well in the rehab. So all good news. Hopefully that's it for me. But what about you, Ellie? Oh, boy. OK, well, so my my thorn is actually to my rehab horse, too. I just took Batman up to Cornell. I, I know I mentioned on the, the last pod that like he all of a sudden was getting like lame, like after loping. So I was getting nervous about that. And I was like, I don't, I don't like waiting until his next appointment. So I brought him up for a recheck and 
in terms of like his meniscal tear and like his stifles, everything looks great. But they like lameness flexed him and his like fetlock on his left front had like was super sore. And like once they blocked it, he looked sounder overall, like even in the hind. So if it's not one leg, it's another, but I'm fine because that leg is still covered by insurance. So <laughs> right? that's amazing. I'm, like, I'm like, you know what? That's all right. That's but, okay. Yeah. Well, so they, they x-rayed it and they didn't see anything like super remarkable. You know, they want me to do, he's supposed to go up again in the middle of June. So we're doing like just a round of Adequan right now. And then if it's not any better, then they're going to do like some ultrasounds and stuff of his fetlock. So hopefully it's just like a compensation thing or, or something. We don't really have like an answer yet, but hopefully, hopefully it's nothing, but that is my thorn. <clears throat> that is so that, frustrating. Uh, I know. Yeah. I feel like you've dealt with enough lameness in one year to make up for like a lifetime. So this yeah. is it, Ellie. You've hit your quota after this. You've got to hit your quota at this point. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, but I made an appointment for Berkeley to go to Cornell too, because he's been lame since like the middle of March. And I've had my vet out for like local stuff and x-rays and we tried different shoes and it's, you know, he's definitely like way better, but it's still not gone and I'm getting angry, so I'm just oh. like, screw it. You're going too. God dang it! Yeah, like, we're taking the whole I'm group. Like, if I'm if I'm packing up, we're all going. Exactly. So I I'm taking him next week, and I'm hope like even if he's sound when he goes there, I just need them to tell me there's nothing wrong. I'm gonna be like, yeah. do like check everything. Like, I mean, right now, I just I don't want anybody to do anything or like have me, you know, not think enough of something and have it get worse. Lameness uh, has made me very paranoid. Right? Yes. Right. I understand. Uh, I, understand. <laughs> I know you understand on a deep <laughs> level. So that would be my thorn is just paranoia and like wanting my horses to just be okay and be horses. But my rose is actually that my, my Cushing's cat in the house that I set. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> my Cushing's cat. <laughs> yeah. That's which like is a like, statement. It's so rare. My diabetic Cushing's cat with fragile skin disease. It's just, it, she's got everything, you know, and she's got oh really goodness. bad arthritis and stuff like that. But in any case, she like, I was having to wrap her because she had this big like place on her stomach that was like all, it was bad. And like all the skin was actually like detached. And actually I took her to an emergency care and they were like, you're going to looking at like $10,000 worth of like reconstructive therapy and like skin grafting. and I'm like, I'm going to get a second opinion. So, cause they, <laughs> cause they were like either that or like euthanasia. And I'm like, what? what? I don't think she's ready to die yet. She's too stubborn to die. I was going to um, say she's defied the odds on all these other ailments. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I brought her home, but what I wanted to say for my, th for my rose is that they get, they gave her actually that fovea light treatment. Oh yeah. Um, and it's like, it's, it's healed. Like wow. it's gone. So literally she went from a month ago, somebody saying like either she's going to need like $10,000 worth of skin grafts or she needs to be euthanized to now being her rickety old self and like it's healed. So I just, that was my rose because I, I've seen fovea like in action. Like I know my sister had it on like one of her, her horse's wounds that just wasn't like, wouldn't close. Right. Um, but I'm astonished by how well it did for my cat. So crazy, but that, that, is my, that is my rose. So in a midst of like all my animals being on self-destruct, at least one is kind of recovering. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good. Oh my goodness. All right. So we do have a mailbag from Ariana in our Facebook group. She posted recently that I thought this would be a good one for us to tackle on the show. She has an off-track thoroughbred that has had a million abscesses this winter and spring. I totally understand that feeling. And so she recently moved her horse to a new barn that's much drier, and she's doubled up on his hoof supplement. She's gone to a low-starch feed, and she's been adding Caratex to her regime for that. And she wants to know if we have any advice on how to keep his hooves clean. He has flip-flop shoes in the front. I'm not 
totally sure what that is. I'm not positive what that is. Oh my gosh, I do. We tried them with Berkeley, not this time, but a different time. They're actually really interesting. So they, it's like this plastic, kind of like just a normal pad, but it's a little thicker. And the whole, and the pad covers most of it. It's literally like just the front part of the shoe. Like the only part that's nailed on is just like the, the front and like the beginning, probably to like the second nail hole. Then the rest okay. of it is cut so off. Just the, and it's just the toe, basically, huh? Yeah, but then it's got these holes in it, so you can still get to the frog, and you can pull the you can pull the flip flop back, and you can get in there with like a hose and stuff when you need to actually clean the foot. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, so she said the horse is in the in the flip flop shoes on the front, and that's where the abscesses have been. So, anyways, thoughts on how to keep the hoof clean? <laughs> I think the tough thing with abscesses, right, is that if you clean them too much and you are getting them wet too much, then you're actually doing more damage than good because it can make them so dry and brittle. I think that the best thing to do is like just to to brush them off real well and use things like, um, I really like that Farrier's Fix. Yeah, uh, I use that too. That's yeah. good, yep. And that's huge because it's got that like, the stuff, all the stuff that you would like from like a turpentine without being as harsh. Um, mm-hmm. and then it's, it does like the right amount of moisture, the right amount of, and I think it does help repel dirt from what I think I've, it does too. And yeah. my, my, my farrier loves it. That's what he recommended. And mm-hmm. I've been using it for a couple of years on Mikey now and like Mikey's barefoot now, since he's just, you know, got a dad bod and does nothing but eat my money. <laughs> right. So, and like, you know, he's someone, especially in the summertime, even though he's not out on the wet Florida, you know, pastures, all he does is pee in his stall because that's what he does in the summer. He's really hard on a stall. And so I noticed his feet started getting soft and I just added more of the farrier's fix to my routine and that's, it's completely saved his feet, you know? So I really recommend that too. I've ever used, I know we've talked before. Have you guys ever used clean tracks? Yes, I have for specific problems. Oh, like you know. anytime we're like, it's like what poor Ariana's feeling like. Basically, when you're like banging your head against the wall and you're like, you've got to be kidding me. That's when I pull out clean tracks. To be honest, mm. like it has helped with like a bit of like bacterial or whatever else. Like when I just can't beat something, I soak them one or two times in the clean tracks and it's like i probably should think of it more often to be honest but it's always like oh i'll do the caretex or we have the hoof supplement or you know we've done all this but then finally like my like saving grace is always when i like go back to the clean tracks and then i'm like oh and you soak them and so like if he's got the shoes off that's the best but you can do it with shoes on and then it really just cleans out especially like inside of like, I like to do it where there's no shoes so that basically they like get up in all that stuff. Yeah. No, I think that's a great, like, you know, you've thrown the kitchen sink at your horse. This is, you know, try do the clean tracks. Cause this is like, I don't know everything. why, but it's like so old school. Like I hadn't brought it out in years and we were battling the quantum leap had ripped his heel off. Like it was so gross. And like, we just kept battling it. And finally I did that. And Every time he'd run, he'd blow an abscess out of it. Every time he'd run, like gallop, or then he'd blow an abscess. And you're like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> so finally, I was like, you know what? We've tried everything else. Like, I'm going to do. And I hadn't used it for abscesses before. I'd used it for white line, all the random things. And I finally right. just like threw it at him and it cleared it up. And it really, really helped. Interesting. That's good so. to know. That would, would be say, my throw. Once you've thrown everything at it, always go to the clean tracks. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think that's great advice. I would and maybe also you say, should do it before you throw the kitchen sink, but I always seem to hit the kitchen <laughs> sink before I throw it at him. I know. Cause it's like this, you know, my farrier, I gave me good advice and I always thought this was interesting that it's like, you want to constantly change up your routine because you're trying to keep that pH balance moving. Right. You know what I mean? Like you don't want it to be like, your horse gets used to one thing. Like you should always try different, different products, which I make yep. sense to me. So I keep like two or three different things in my routine. Like I really like the Equiderma thrush and white line product that you scrub the foot with a brush with that. And you put them in the okay. stall where it dries on it. I, I think it's great for thrush, but I will tell you as somebody who owns 
two thoroughbreds, you know, and I've been through the, like the off track phase where you just have like crippled, terrible feet and you have to rehab them for a year. Cause almost all of them come out with their feet like that. Diet is really important. And there's yep. like, there's only so much, you know, if you've got a horse that's like tight and tense and ulcery, there's only so much they're going to be able to absorb from the, what you're feeding them, like nutrients that will help their feet grow better. Like you got to address underlying problems. Yeah, exactly. You know, with my new guy who just raced in December, you know, uh, he's not my first rodeo. And that's why, like, I looked at his feet and I'm like, my farrier is going to fire me me again. He's going to fire me because this one's so bad. They had glue, like almost up to his coronet band, like keeping the damn shoe on. And I was like, we're going to take off three fourths of his foot to get this racing plate off. And it was bad. It was bad for like two months, but I just knew I was like, you got to do it now. And we got to commit to the program. We changed his feed and he was on ulcer guard for 60 days. And then all of a sudden, like after 60 days, he just turned into a different horse, you know? And that's because all of the diet, everything we did was working and his body was like healing from the inside out too. Yes. And so you got to be ready for the long haul, but then the maintenance, the daily picking out the feet, you know, like not that you have to put something on their feet every day, but just clean the feet out. You know what I mean? I think it's so important and keep them dry if you're worried about wet conditions with abscesses, but it's just, um, they're all different. You'll learn over time, you know, and I'm not like a, a big, like you got to be barefoot person, like when my when Mikey's in work, he's shod. He's not shod now just because he generally has better thoroughbred feet than most. And why the hell would I pay for shoes on a horse that is doing literally nothing? So, but I will tell you with Wyatt, I, I pulled the racing plates off. We nailed shoes on. They made them insanely sore. I made the farrier come out and pull the shoes off. I bought the flex horse boots. And this one, I'm going to keep barefoot for as long as I can, because the longer he can grow that foot out, I think I'm just going to have have a better foot down the road when the work requires the shoe. You know what I mean? So like he is going for as long as freaking possible. And I know we're hitting that moment where like, it's going to start getting wet here and my fair is going to fight me, but we're going to like, as long as I can keep him barefoot and keep that foot grown out, like I'm going to. I'm just really going to be a diehard about it. So I don't know, find a good farrier, fix the diet and then buy the products is like how I would rank those things, you know, of what's important. Yeah, but ab- for sure. Abscesses suck. And sometimes you have no control. They just happen, you know? So yeah. Ugh, be friends hopefully with your that <laughs> yeah. Right. So buy your bet some coffee and <laughs> But if you have a question for us and you want us to answer it on the show, you can send us an email. Our email address is hello at heelsdownmedia.com. Or you should join our Facebook group. It's super fun. We have lots of fun conversations there all the time. For example, I just posted a video today of me throwing a bunch of hay bales in the back of my rental SUV. (laughs) I saw that. (laughs) It's a nightmare. This is the nightmare I'm living, guys. I just want my truck back. So our Facebook group is the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. And if you like our show, if you like what you read on heelsdownmag.com, you should really subscribe to the Heels Down Spark, our free daily equestrian newsletter. You can do that by going to bit.ly slash sparkbyhd. All right. We want to say thank you to our partners this week. Clip My Horse TV. That's a wrap, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.